All right, I want to share a couple, just a few minutes here. Um, as we get ready to talk about dads, I just want to kind of set the stage because, you know, dads are important to us. And once a year, we take the time to celebrate our fathers. And, um, you know, like I already said, it's nice to have these special days that we honor them because we are way too, we just take things for granted way too much. Maybe I'm speaking for me, but too often we just take things for granted and we don't give people the recognition that that's due. You know, we did this for Mother's Day and we certainly appreciate our moms as well. But we're going to have a special day of giving today, of a tribute to dads. And, uh, and I'm so glad that we have a number here that have volunteered to talk for, you know, two to five minutes, maybe a little bit longer. We'll see how long they go. But uh, we're going to get as, we're going to get seven people in here, so it's going to be a good day. But uh, but I, let me say also, I understand also that Father's Day, like Mother's Day, like Christmas, like Easter, like a lot of major holidays, can be difficult for people, because maybe this is a day that brings back bad memories. Maybe you didn't have a good relationship with your father. And maybe, this is, maybe these are times where you struggle with a little bit. So I'm certainly um, uh, conscious of that. And so we don't want to uh, hurt anyone's feelings over that. But we certainly um, want to, in, to, to honor parents and our dads as we are. Um, you know, we're going to find out today that the process of become a, becoming a father is the, really the simple thing the daily living of being a father is a different thing and how important it is. And I have a little, I have a little um, four-minute video or audio here from Breakpoint. Uh, John Stone Street, who is a president of Colson Center, uh, gives us some really good information about how important dads really are. So let's just take the next few minutes and just listen to this. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. On December the 6th, 1907, a massive explosion decimated a coal mine in a small town in West Virginia. 362 miners were killed, making this the worst mining disaster in U.S. history. The tragedy devastated the small town and led eventually to the establishment of the U.S. Bureau of Mines. But this mine disaster also marked another beginning. You see, several months after that explosion, a local church held a special service to honor the 362 miners, most of whom had left behind wives and children. This is the first event on record in U.S. history set aside to specifically honor fathers. Two years later, a woman from the state of Washington, who along with her five siblings was raised by her widowed father, began a public campaign to establish a National Father's Day. A day for mothers was already in the works and, according to historical accounts, was a much easier sell to the American people. By 1916, President Woodrow Wilson had officially recognized Father's Day, though it would not be recognized as a national holiday until 1972. A little over a hundred years after that mining disaster that birthed Father's Day, the United States now suffers dramatically from a crisis of fatherlessness. One in four American kids are, like so many kids in that West Virginia town were left, growing up without their father at home. That amounts to 18 and a half million kids. Now, if statistics hold, what that means is 18.5 million kids are three times more likely to engage in criminal activity than those who have dads at home. 18.5 million kids are more likely to engage in sexual activity earlier, less likely to go to college, more likely to have emotional and behavioral problems, more likely to struggle academically, twice as likely to commit suicide, much more likely to commit acts of violence. 
For example, the vast majority of mass shooters over the past 20 years were young men who were in some way estranged from their fathers. Almost any social good that can be named is dependent on dads who commit to their families and are at risk when they don't. This does not mean that every child who grows up without dad in the home will not succeed or commit acts of violence. Thank God for the millions of grandparents, relatives, friends, neighbors, and especially single moms who step up and heroically raise children in difficult circumstances. Nor does it mean that a faithful dad at home guarantees success for children or that a child won't commit some crime. Many people squander the amazing inheritance with which they are blessed. Put differently, statistics do not determine the destiny for individuals. However, at the same time, statistics are pretty good at predicting the future of societies. And though fatherlessness is correlated with almost every major cultural crisis of the 21st century, the importance of dads remains consistently underestimated and even is undermined. Both so-called same-sex marriage and adoption by same-sex couples suggest that either moms or dads really aren't that important when it comes to raising children. Legalized abortion has effectively catechized generations of men into believing that they are not obligated to take responsibility for children that result from their sexual activity. Generations of women have been catechized into believing they have no right to expect that commitment from men. According to the Guttmacher Institute, nearly half of all women who seek abortions do so because they've been abandoned by their baby's father. I'm especially grateful for the work of the Institute for Family Studies, which continues to research and report the statistical importance of dads. Just as God designed procreation to require one man and one woman, he meant for that man and that woman to raise that child. Fathers love, teach, provide for, and nurture both sons and daughters in ways that moms cannot, and vice versa. We also know how important fathers are because God has revealed himself as a father. This striking designation should cause every earthly father to tremble in their shoes. We have an awesome responsibility. The stakes could not be higher. And finally, every person ever created really knows in their bones the irreplaceable importance of fathers, either because of the comfort, the steadiness, and the love they received from an attentive dad, or because of the pain they felt because of his absence. Committed dads are an essential ingredient for healthy kids, healthy families, and healthy societies, and specifically for future healthy men. Showing up, sticking around, discipling kids as only a father can do, that's a powerful witness to the beautiful design and the steadfast love of our own Heavenly Father. That's why every kid needs and deserves it. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. And I hope you see from what John said the important role that fathers play. Fathers are very important. Now, this doesn't mean that fathers are perfect. My dad wasn't. And uh, if you're a dad here today, I don't mean to pop your bubble, but neither are you. <laughs> I mean, we just can't be perfect, can we? we? We can try as hard as we can be, but but we can't. But we have a Father, our Heavenly Father, who is. Our Heavenly Father is a perfect Father, and He becomes the role model then for us earthly fathers. So I want to give you just a quick text this morning. Our quick text is Proverbs chapter, chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Listen to verse 8. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Now, we see from this text that God is tying, that he's tying wisdom to godly fear. And not just godly fear of the heavenly father, but he's also tying wisdom to the fact that we would listen, we would listen to our earthly parents, our earthly father and our earthly mother. Because that's so important that we have the fact that we can learn from our father's wisdom. We can learn from our father's mistakes. We can learn because our father loves us or he's supposed to love us. 
But the reality is becoming a father is different than being a father. Let me say that again. Becoming a father is different than being a father. Being a father takes time, takes life, takes living. Becoming, becoming a father was relatively easy. <laughs> that was the fun part, actually. <laughs> and we know that. And, and things happen, and, and maybe even unplanned. But becoming a father does not make a father. I ran across this article talking about being a father. It says, a man becomes a father when he has his first child. This status is fixed such that once a man becomes a father, he is always a father. He may subsequently have more children or his responsibilities and activities may change due to a divorce or children leaving home or other reasons. But he always is a father. Fatherhood then is a status attained by having a child and is irrevocable. But the process of being a dad is more than the simple act of becoming a dad. Because being a dad requires living out the role of a father. But just because a man can father a child doesn't make him a father in the way that God our Heavenly Father has designed it to be. It's a sad and unfortunate fact that some fathers have abused, abandoned, and really messed up their families' lives. And we need to recognize that. We need to understand that, that not every father is a perfect one and not every father has done it right. And for that reason, many people have had, that have had a poor relationship with their earthly father have a struggle having a relationship with a heavenly father. Do you think the enemy has any play in this? Do you think the enemy has a strategy here in place? See, clearly Satan wants to destroy every family. Satan has a plan to destroy not only you and me, but to destroy the family structure because God has designed the family structure like a heavenly plan. We call God our father like we call our earthly fathers our father. And Jesus our brother. And we're adopted into the family of God. So the family unit is tied directly to a heavenly family unit. And so therefore, Satan is doing everything he can to twist it, distort it, destroy it. So let's just understand here. If you've had a a bad relationship with your dad, don't blame it on God. And don't hold it against God. We're going, to under, we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But the important here thing is that a God, listen, a godly man, not just a man, but a godly man's influence brings eternal life to those that follow him. Think about that. The influence that a godly dad has on a family, the legacy that the family can have from a godly father can, can mean eternal life. And that's why the enemy is doing everything he can to destroy the relationship between fathers and children. So let me ask the dads that are here or the dads that are listening online, what's the legacy that you're leaving your family? Dads, what's the legacy that you're leaving your family? Are they going to remember you as a God-fearing man, a Bible-reading man, a praying man? A man totally submitted to God and to them? 
what's, what's the memory, what's the legacy that you're leaving your family? And I know this is a big question. And I'm not doing this to throw condemnation. I'm doing this to throw a challenge. Nothing wrong with a challenge. Nothing wrong with being challenged to live the best you can. And here's the deal. If you haven't always been that way, it's okay. You can start today. You can begin today to change. Because I know that many of us come from backgrounds that maybe haven't been raised this way. But the question is, is this what you want to remember it as? Do you want to be known as a God, as a man that loves God? Now let me talk to those here this morning that maybe have not had a godly relationship with their dad. And maybe they don't feel they can give him a tribute. Because maybe there are those here today that maybe don't even know your dad. Maybe he left when you were a child. I don't know. Maybe he abandoned the family. I don't know. Maybe he was abusive. I don't know. So there's all kinds of things, history that I don't know about. But first of all, let me say this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if that's you. I'm sorry that you have to go through that. It wasn't intended to be that way. And I want you to know God in heaven is sorry as well, that he carries your burden. And I want you to know he wants to help you live through it. You see, the healing aspect of paying tributes to our fathers, even if they don't deserve it, is recognizing their strengths, their weaknesses, and their failures. The way we heal is to be honest. The way we heal is to recognize that maybe things weren't as good as we wanted them to be. So how do we do this? Number one, we have to forgive as necessary. If you didn't have a good relationship with your dad, forgive him. Whether he's asked for it or not. Releasing them from the debt that they can't repay, just as Jesus has forgiven you from the debt that you can't pay. Forgiveness is really important. That's the first step of repairing a broken relationship. Forgive as necessary. Secondly, we can learn from them. Even in their mistakes, we can learn from them. We can say, I don't want to be that way. Or you can say, I want to be that way. If he was a godly man, you could say, that's the God, kind of God, I want, the father I want to be. We can learn from them, from both good and bad lessons. And finally, we need to move forward honoring and loving them for who they are because they are important to you, whether you recognize it or not. They are your father. And I'm saying this to even men here or people here that have foster dads. Man, if you're a foster dad, God bless you. For those that have adopted fathers and adopted sons and daughters, that's, you know, dads aren't just biological, right? The love of, a, of, a, of an adoptive dad is powerful. I mean, that's the fact that, in, in all honesty, God, our father, is an adopted father. He's in a, we're adopted into the family of God, right? The only really natural child that he has is Jesus. We're all adopted into the family of God. So for those foster parents out there, you're a form of God in that way to your children. So we just want to honor you that way. So I hope this makes sense. I just wanted to kind of set the stage for the next numbers of folks that are going to come and and uh, just share about their dads because it is important that we pay tribute to them and that we share it publicly, that we know that we can tell our dads what we mean to them, hopefully while they're still alive. Now, my dad passed in 2009, and I have a great relationship with him. I did, and, and the last five years were really better.
But um, I want to just start, and I'll just give my tribute real quickly so we can move on to others. But, uh, but I, I just want to give a tribute to my dad first. My dad was Dawson, and uh, for many of, the, many of you here knew him, and he was the type of man that you either loved or you hated, one of the two. He was a pretty straightforward man, pretty type A personality. You kind of knew what he was thinking all the time, and uh, sometimes it wasn't always good, but that's just my dad. Um, but, you know, um, we moved away when, I, when Chris and I got married. I got my engineering degree. We went down and worked in Detroit in the automotive industry for 25 years or so. Came back here in 2005 to start a business with my dad, and I spent the last five years of his life working on a business together, which really was very meaningful for me to see my dad in that way. My dad died of pulmonary fibrosis, a very, very ter- a terrible disease of the lungs, where it basically takes your breath away. You can't breathe. The, the, the linings of your lungs harden. And so I saw him go through some difficult times. But l- let me just share this with my, about my dad. In all of his good and bad, what I really appreciated from my dad is I saw, I saw a man, and listen, listen to me, heart, listen to my heart. I saw a man learn how to die. I saw a man that understood what it meant to be a godly man in the last five years of his life. And I believe that my dad is healed today perfectly. I know that for a fact. He's in heaven today. He's perfectly healed. But we prayed in that five years numerous times. Prophetic words were given over my dad that, that the latter years would be more, more, more powerful than his, 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 his prior years. But yet my dad died. But yet I saw a, a, a true turning in his heart of a spiritual healing that happened in my dad's heart. Now, my dad has always been a Christian, so-called. I believe that. But the last five years of his life, he truly became a Christian. I mean, we grow, right, in our spiritual life. My dad might have thought he was a Christian man for 40, 50 years, 60 years. I'm not sure. But I'll tell you, the last five years of his life, my dad grew up spiritually. He understood what it meant to really have a relationship with Jesus. He understood what it meant to grow in the Lord. The, the weaker that his flesh man got, the stronger that his spiritual man got. And truly, he was healed spiritually. And that's the most important healing is the spiritual healing. And so when I look at that legacy of my dad, that's what I want to leave. That's the, that's the legacy I want to leave my children. I want to leave my children and my grandchildren with the legacy of how to live a godly man and how to die a godly man. Because dying is not our enemy. Listen, death is not our enemy. Jesus defeated death on the cross. We don't just, we, we die, but we just move from one room to the next. And we celebrate then that life of a man well lived. And that's what I want to do today. I want to just celebrate the life of my dad. Well lived and a man that could teach us how to die well and uh, pass on to be with Jesus forever. So at that point, let's sing a song, and then we're going to get into our speakers. And uh, just uh, stand with me, if you will. Let's stand between the songs, because it keeps us moving, and uh, we'll just enjoy our day. Once like a bird in prison I dwell, no freedom from my sorrow I felt. But Jesus came and listened to me, and glory to God. Set me free, yes, he set me free. He broke the bonds of 
for you because you talked about the five years you had to prepare and talk and say goodbye to your dad. A lot of us don't have that. In fact, uh, my dad practically died in my arms of an aorta aneurysm. I took him to the hospital in Charlevoix here, and he never regained conscious so that we could talk. So this is a wonderful opportunity for me to tell him some things that I wish I had done earlier. He always said that uh, he credited me for giving him his favorite, most prized birthday present. Uh, January 18th is his birthday, and the present that he got was me. Because <laughs> I was born on his birthday. And uh, for many times, I would think, Dean Davenport, my dad, and I'm Dean Davenport. I wonder why I didn't get to be a junior, but I figured it out. I, I think he didn't want to put me in a position where people compare juniors to seniors, you know. So I became Dino in Charlevoix. <laughs> Not Dean, but Dino. And I think uh, he had that in mind right from the start. Uh He was popular around town because he played basketball for the famous Charlevoix Polar Bears. <laughs> now, many of you probably never heard of this, but in, the, in those years, the Polar Bears were a semi-professional basketball team from Charlevoix. They had their own bus. They traveled all over the Midwest and played. They played uh, had a great rivalry with uh, Midland Dow Chemical, the big plant down in Midland. They played back and forth, and uh, some of the people you might mention or might recognize, uh, Ray Kipke on the far le left is a famous coach here. Max Novak in the back row is a famous teacher here. 
and they had outstanding players from this whole area play on the polar bears. One of the things I noticed right off, though, is that my dad had a love affair. And it was with Charlevoix. <laughs> he loved Charlevoix. And when you hear the kinds of things that he got involved in, you'll see that there was a big love affair between he and the city of Charlevoix. He was uh, a handful, one of a handful of men that somehow could ski jump on the Mount McSabas ski hill. And, and not kill himself or bandage himself. There's only about six guys that could do that. So he was popular in this town because of his polar bear and because he was a good athlete. When he saw a need in this town, he immediately got involved. And that's one of the things I took from his life is to get involved. Where... Wherever you're living, be proud of that town. And he was so proud of being a Charlevoixian. And he grew up in a tough lumber camp era. And uh, he had a chance, I know, to move on from Charlevoix. He was a John Hancock insurance salesman, and they promoted him to Grand Rapids to head up that whole office down there. And he lasted one year. <laughs> he came back to Charlevoix. And he, he spent his whole life here. He died at 61 years of age. Uh, way too early. But here's some of the things that he did do that I'm proud of and I noticed too. He was a councilman. He was a mayor. He was the director of the Chamber of Commerce. Uh, I think he was most proud of the fact that he was a driving force to get the hospital where it is. That used to be a trailer camp, if anybody never knew that. And I, I got the program when he dedicated the hospital to uh, the city of Charlevoix. The other thing that I was very interested in knowing is he decided that Charlevoix was the kind of town you could not count on a mayor running the town. The mayors had jobs on, and families and other distractions. They couldn't really devote the time needed. So he changed the whole government in Charlevoix to a city manager type. And we've had some great city managers here that have freed the mayors from the kinds of things that they don't have to do now. Uh, so those are the two things I think he's most proud of. Uh, he was a churchgoer. He was a teacher. He sang in the choir in the church, the Methodist church. Uh, he became the PA voice of the CHS basketball and f football. And I know he had fun broadcasting all those games on the PA system. Uh, he followed the sports all over town, and he wanted to make sure that I got involved in sports. 
one of the things I, I remember so clearly, uh, the Basketball Association decided a few years before I got playing much that they were going to change the some of the rules. One of them was to do away with the backboard that the basket's on and a rectangle and make it a fan-shaped. I don't know why they thought that was going to be good, but my dad found out about that, and he built the first court in my backyard with a fan-shaped basket. <laughs> I had a lot of friends, <laughs> a lot of friends. Maybe you've heard of the famous Carey family here. I was just a youngster, and they were playing in my backyard. I could go back there and watch and shoot, and, they'd, and I think that's one of the things that helped me make basketball a career for me. And I do know that uh, at Central Michigan where I played, it's, it's kind of interesting. The best games I played the one each year was Dad's Day. And I talked about that to Charlevoix Raiders sometimes ago. Uh, when dads are there, you got to play better. you got to do your best. Mm -hmm. And apparently that's what happened to me because my dad's days games were really good ones. The rest weren't that great. <laughs> <laughs> he was the uh, president of the Kiwanis Club and president of the Lions Club. Uh, was the first president of the Lions Club, the, the new service club in town and in the lions they you know they have a, a passion for the blind and they have a seeing eye dog school and my dad had a wonderful dog called nipper and he gave nipper to the lions down in rochester michigan to go to seeing eye school and i thought that was he loved that dog uh, and to give it away to that cause really was something. Uh, things that I think I learned from my dad, one was service. Give back to your community. I don't know if you know this, but I was city recreation summer director for 18 years. I'm now in my 29th year of directing the junior golf program in town. And I think... The commitment that I saw from my dad and the loyalty has driven me uh, to do these kinds of things in my love for Charlevoix. Uh, I regret, I guess, he was 61, and many of my 10 grandkids didn't get to meet my dad. Uh, and I wish they, they had. But every day his influence has impacted my life. Every day something that happens, I recall or I learned from him. But I know compassion, loyalty, and commitment are some of my strengths, and I thank him for that because I saw it in life. I also want to thank my father-in-law, Elvin Hap Cunningham, who stepped in. I was 32 when I lost my dad. And he was a great substitute and a great influence in my life also. Thanks, Dad. I love you. Sunday.
Davenport, so that was my dad, for those of you who are visiting, to kind of put this together. <laughs> and I will say my dad and I did not share notes, but I um, see a lot of these threads interwoven in both of our lives, and so this is kind of interesting to be able to share. So as you heard, dad was born and raised in Charlevoix, and at the age of two, he actually met my mom in the hospital because my dad had a sister born. And the story goes that he was more interested in my mom as an infant than his <laughs> sister because he kept crawling under her hospital bed and wouldn't come out. And so it was love at first sight. <laughs> dad was a student and an athlete at Charlevoix with my mom always cheering him on. One particular game, basketball game, Dad was dribbling down the court, passed the ball to an open teammate who scored the winning goal for Charlevoix. The Charlevoix home crowd went wild, all excited, jumped to their feet and cheering. The whistle of the referee in the backcourt was never heard. The whistle of that referee called a backcourt traveling file violation or steps, and it was never heard, and the, the play played out. The basket was denied. The game was lost. This incident impacted my dad. As a youth, he felt he let down his beloved Charlotte. But... God turned that negative into a positive. 
that actually built character in dad, the trait of turning a negative into a positive, and this memory pushed a dad to train and work hard to compete at the college level in basketball. He made the Central Michigan basketball team. And during those college years, he married my mom, still his cheerleader in life. They began their family early and spent 65 years together. So dad's competitive drive continued as he graduated with a teaching coaching degree and later adding administrative duties. His job took our family all over the country before he landed at his beloved Fair State University in Big Rapids. During those years, Dad had experienced many opportunities with his college best friend, Dick Emberg, that could have led him down a different path. He was certainly qualified, but Dad's commitment to family, friends, and Charlevoix led him to return every summer where he became their Charlevoix Recreation Director. Dad was so focused to make sure that the youth of Charlevoix had endless opportunities to compete in high-quality programs in softball, swimming, track and field, and golf. He took pride in in, um, promoting good Charlevoix athletes to continue competition and competing at the college level, and of course, at Ferris. My childhood was filled with school year collegiate games, traveling the country, and summers in Charlevoix with friends and family. In fact, I met my husband, Mike, in Charlevoix when he knocked out my brother as he ran to first base in the peanut league. (laughs) I don't know if Terry was out or safe, but they both fell down and my brother was knocked out. So after marrying Mike, and we grew as a couple in our spiritual walk, I realized how fortunate I am to enjoy a healthy and positive relationship with my dad. It was easy to transfer my love for my earthly dad to our Heavenly Father. And so being saved just became very natural, and um, respect and love of the Father was, was easy because of that relationship, Dad. So thank you. Throughout my adult life, my dad always encouraged and supported me, cheering me on in my life. He probably didn't know how much it meant to me when he would just say, you look nice today, or what a great job you did with that. Even recently, after Mike and I made the move to Charlevoix, Dad committed on my sacrifices it took to get here. And several times he would say at the right time, I am proud of how you are adjusting to all this. I could relate this earthly father comment to our heavenly father. And I got encouraged. And I felt the love. So here's the rest of the story. While serving as the athletic director at Ferris, 
Dad and Mom would always attend many athletic conferences. One particular meeting in Traverse City allowed them to mingle with other administrators from all around the state. Upon introducing himself to another, stating that he was from Charlevoix the Beautiful, this man stated, I made one of my worst career calls on a Charlevoix basketball player. I anticipated this player taking steps as he passed the ball to his teammate. They made the winning basket. Dad motioned for my mom to join this conversation. And Dad said, Joyce, get that article out of your wallet. (laughs) She carried the newspaper article in her wallet all those years, showing her jumping up and down, thinking Charlevoix had won the game. And my dad said to his new administrative friend, you mean this game? And Mom pulled that out showed the man for cheering and jumping. The headline says, Charlevoix loses. And the three of them stood in amazement as they uncovered the truth after all these years. That particular game molded my dad into the man that probably he was. His love for Charlevoix, you heard it from him. His sacrifice, his serving. And so, Dad, I want you to know that this is proof from Proverbs 16.9. In, in his heart, a man's planning his own course, but the Lord determines his steps. Thank you, Dad. That's awesome. While I was singing, somebody touched me. While I was singing, somebody touched me. While I was singing, somebody touched me. It must have been the hand of the Lord. While I was kneeling, somebody touched me. While I was kneeling, somebody touched me. While I was kneeling, somebody touched me. It must have been a hand of the Lord. While I was praying, somebody touched me. While I was praying, somebody touched me. While I was praying, somebody touched me. It must have been a hand of the Lord. While I was praying, somebody me while I was praying, somebody touched me while I was praying, somebody touched me, it must have been the hand of the Lord, it must have been the hand of the Lord. Okay, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Sherry Johnston. My dad's name is Floyd Gibson. He was born November 22nd in 1930. Uh, he was born in Imperial Valley, California, and San Isidro was the town he grew up in. It's right by San Diego, and it's right by the uh, border of Tijuana. 
He was the youngest of 10 kids. He was Irish and Dutch. Uh, his dad, his dad worked six and a half days his whole life to raise that family. He only got half a day off. Uh, it was a poor family. Um, at the age of five, he used to go out with his brothers, and they would skirt the neighborhoods to find work. Well, he was the youngest of five, and it was a hard life. And uh, one lady that they used to go do things for was uh, watching him and his brothers one day. And his brothers would take the food that she gave him or the money that she gave him. So this woman noticed this, and she told my dad, she goes, you come back alone, and I'll make sure you get something to eat or your money. You take it and you hide it. So she was a great help to my dad. Um, let's see. Uh, my dad, uh, he had a lot of friends that lived in Mexico, so he had a love for Mexican food. Because his mother was a diabetic, she just cooked the heck out of everything. <laughs> so he really loves spicy food. Um, and there's a story he would tell us. Um, they gardened for a lot of their food. And it was pretty hard on his mom, having ten kids. But there's this one story he uh, told me about his brother Merle. He decided one day that he wasn't going to help out with the gardening and the plow. And he started walking off, and he says, my mom picked up a rock and just beamed him right in the head. He fell down, and he got up, and he went back to gardening. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and um, he says, uh, you know, his mom was a hard woman. She had 10 kids. Father was gone, you know, long hours. He worked at a dairy. Um, she used to... Uh, she used to pick those switches off the tree. And he said, she would switch me so many times that I didn't even know I was getting switched for. <laughs> and uh, he said he had a lot of uh, years where he felt kind of hard against his mother for that. But then he realized there's ten kids for this woman to keep in line. And that's how she did it. So uh, he forgave her and... You know, you got to do what you got to do sometimes. Um, so when I was growing up, my dad loved the ocean. He would always take us to Avila Beach. And uh, I don't know if you've ever been to Avila Beach, but it's in a cove. And um, you can go one end, there's like a river inlet coming in. And the other end, there's an outcropping of big, huge rocks. And low tide, he would take us around there. And on the other side, there's a little cave. And he would take us just far enough in that little cave to make it exciting and like an adventure. My dad, my dad always tried to make everything like a little adventure. And we'd come back around, still low tide, because you can't get around there in high tide. Um, he would take me out on his shoulders out into the ocean. And in the cove there, the swells weren't very big or the waves weren't very big, so he didn't have to worry about us falling down or anything. But... Um, I can just remember going up and down with those swells on my dad's shoulder. Never, never, ever afraid when my dad was with me. It just, 
you know, they just give you that security. Um, he never spanked me. I can remember one time, I was five or six years old, and I, I think I just messed up my room. I don't know what it was. I can't really remember, you know, there's a bunch of people over and all the kids were playing in my room and my dad was upset with me. But he got his hand up, and that's all he had to do. I just broke down, and he said after that he could never raise a hand to me. He never even spanked me. That was it. Um, so he he would tell me things throughout my life, like... Uh, If you have good friends and you can count them on one hand, you're a blessed person. You can do anything you want to do if you work hard enough. And he really instilled that in me, and I believe it to this day. We live in America, and if you want something bad enough, you can make it happen. The opportunities are there. Where there's a will, there's a way. Later on in life, he would say, Honey, if things get hard, plant potatoes. They'll grow anywhere. (laughs) Um, He taught me about God and Jesus, and I'm thankful to God to have a father like him. Oh, looking back, looking back on my life, I can remember hard times where. I would reflect on the small things that my dad would tell me. And uh, he, you know, those things, they really got me through some some bad times. So um, he, he died in 2017. He was 87 years old. And um, he's my rock. He'll always be my rock. Thank you very much. I come to the garden alone While the dew is still on the roses And the voice I hear falling on my ear The sun
father and all that he means to me. His name is Edward, but he always went by Eddie. I never understood that. <laughs> Without him, I wouldn't be the person I am today. He always supported me and my brother, even from afar. I am grateful for his service in the Air Force and cherish the love and memories he's given me. One of the fondest memories is watching Star Wars and Back to the Future with him. He was obsessed with all the nerdy little things. <laughs> he used to even build Legos with the Star Wars battleships and everything. <laughs> it brings me such joy to speak about my father, especially in a place as special as church. I would also like to honor my papa today. When I first met my papa and his wife, they instantly welcomed me into their family. It was heartwarming, and now we are spending the summer together. My papa is incredibly funny and has a contagious smile that I endure. The time we spend together is precious, especially when we eat dinner and watch shows. He's a lovely and kind man who easily interacts with others. I look up to him as a role model, a grandparent, and most importantly, as a family member. I'm so glad I met my boyfriend's family. Thank you. <laughs> what a friend we have in Jesus All our sins and griefs to
Robert Clifford Bogue. Friends called him Bob. We referred to him as Dad, but we called him Pop. Born July 18, 1922, went to his heavenly reward. On November 23, 1998, He had his mom and dad. He also had five brothers and two sisters. He served in the army. And I can remember as kids, he would show us a bunch of coins that he had when he was overseas serving all the various countries. We just found those coins fascinating. He was a good man, a good husband and a good father to us four kids. He taught me that hard work was very important. He taught me how to fish and how to hunt, how to golf. Now, I wasn't very good. I wasn't a good student. He was a good teacher. He taught my younger, he taught my my brother Doug, and Doug was a good golfer. He taught my brother Gary He was a very good golfer. Hated to golf with him. He always beat me. He taught taught me all about woodworking. I was so much better at woodworking than I was at golf. Believe me. He taught me how to work on cars. Now, that was back in the days when you could actually work on your own cars. He also taught me that, or he... He taught me how to work on cars, and I was also very good at that. He taught me how to drive. I think about age eight or nine, we had 40 acres that we farmed, and we also farmed 40 acres of our neighbor's property. So I learned how to drive the old Ford tractor quite young. Also learned to drive the old 1940 Chevy one-ton flatbed stakeside truck. That was a stick shift. First gear is what they called a creeper gear. I don't know whether any of you ever experienced a creeper (laughs) gear. You put it in creeper gear, you could hop out and you could walk or run faster than the truck itself. 
Next, learn to drive the old 1963 VW Beetle, also a stick shift. However, the reverse gear didn't work on that because it got burned out when my older brother and older sister learned to drive it. (laughs) So if you ever took it anywhere, you had to park somewhere, take someone with you, and they could push it backwards. Or you had to drive into a spot where you pulled in, and then you could drive straight out. My dad always made sure that we went to church every Sunday as a family. It was very important to him. He also decided that he was going to pick out four of my cousins to go with us. And there are some adventures there that I would take too much time to tell you about today. It was at an early age that all four of us kids, because of being taken to church from the time we were in diapers, we gave our hearts to Jesus as our Savior. Pop was very proud of that. In our mid-teens, we were all proud when my dad gave his heart and his life to Jesus as his Savior. After that, he was not only a good man, he was a godly man. Back many years ago, Jackie suggested at a family gathering that we should try to get together as a family and camp out. That started a long tradition of the Bogue family camp out. It was a wonderful experience. All my brothers, sisters, their wives, their kids. It was a special time. One year, my brother-in-law, he was the resident chef at the campouts, surprised my dad with 24-ounce T-bone steak. I think he was pretty pleased with it, don't you? Mm -hmm. His eyes got real big, but he did manage to eat the whole thing. He loved to fish with us kids and the grandkids. Growing up, I can remember that he built a pontoon boat with 55-gallon drums, plywood, and two-by-fours so the whole family could go out and fish together. Now, you need to know my dad was not a man that showed a lot of affection But I can tell you, never, ever did I doubt that he loved me. Pop, thank you for the godly example that you were to your family. There are things as we travel this earth shifting sands that transcend all the But the things that matter the most in this world, they can never be held in our hands. I believe in a hill called Mount Calvary. I believe. 
speaker for this morning, and um, well, I'm going to speak like I usually do, and that's to tell you a story, or a parable, whatever. (laughs) Um, I was born a railroad child. My dad was an engineer for Grand Trunk Railroad, and um, with this came one problem for our family, and that was drinking. Um, it was typical for him and his co-workers to stop at the local bars after work. And they, oftentimes, they would just close the place down. And um, he, he worked hard. He worked long hours. Sometimes he was out of town for a couple of days, and he would have grumpy days because of his sleep schedule. And I grew up to a lot of um, arguing and um, differences of opinion between him and my mom. 
I'm one of those people that it took me a long time to understand the love of my father in heaven because the love of my father here was different. Um, I grew up to the, uh, as I said, to the sounds of these, uh, them arguing often, and a lot of times I could hear my mom in the middle of the night calling the bars to see if she could find him. And uh, I remember the smell of an old taxi as my brother and my sister and myself rode in the back at one or two in the morning while my mom searched town for dad. I remember helping her get him to bed. I remember these times vividly, even now. And um, one day, I believe it was when he retired from the railroad, because I remember as a retirement gift, somebody brought him a fifth of whiskey. He put it up in the cupboard. He never touched it. He stopped drinking cold turkey, and I believe it was that day. I couldn't say for sure, but I believe it was that day. Um, And as far as I know, he never drank again. Now, I tell you those, those were the not-so-good times of my childhood. But there were good things that I remember. I remember a loving father. I remember, even in the midst of those other things, I remember a night when I was in a hospital room. I had rheumatic fever. I was all by myself, and I was frightened by a thunderstorm. That is probably the why I don't like thunder and lightning, right there. (laughs) Right there is where that started. And um, the only one who could comfort me was my dad, who came in the middle of the night to calm his little girl. I remember a red pedal fire engine. A lot of kids my age had them. And um, I got it for my birthday one year. And uh, a few days later, uh, we discovered I was still sick. I was, because of the rheumatic fever, I was often in and out of the hospital. And they would do blood tests. If the blood test didn't come back good, I had to go back to bed. Basically, I was in bed a lot. And my dad took that fire engine, he covered it with a blanket in the garage and would not let anybody touch it until I was able to ride it again. Um, He made sure I went to Sunday school every Sunday, even though he did not feel worthy to go to church. When he saw my passion for music, he bought my first piano, and it is still in my dining room in my home today. Electronic Digital keyboards have taken the place of what really is a piano. I have a real piano. (laughs) He came to every piano recital I had, and um, he also came to every place that I sang. I'm a little worried about confessing this, but I used to sing in a bar band. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that's where it started, but... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But my dad loved it when I sang, and he came to every place that was open, you know, when we did this, and, and he loved to dance. And him and my dad, my mom, would he'd just dance her around the floor room, and I used to love to watch that. He was like twinkle toes, and he weighed about <laughs> 300 pounds, so it was a pretty cool sight. <laughs> he just was smooth on the dance floor. <laughs> so I remember these things. I remember them well, and I will not forget that I know he loved me. And you might wonder why I would tell, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But the thing is, not all fathers are perfect. And some don't even deserve the title of dad. 
But most of them, in spite of their mistakes, are doing their best to love and raise a family. And so I will say thank you for a man who would have given me the moon, who taught me how to laugh. (laughs) I'm crying now, but I'm going to say I got this quirky sense of humor from my dad. (laughs) That's where (laughs) this came from. And um, and he, who was a good man in spite of a few flaws. Happy Father's Day to all of you who are determined to be the father your family needs. Keep it up. You can do it. And one day, your family will remember.
Thank you all for sharing. That was really, really good. Thank you for, for being bold. Thank you, Caitlin. It was a wonderful job. For being bold and just sharing about your dad. We really appreciated hearing the stories. Amen? Just so good to hear that. I want to pray. And I want to pray for our dads as we leave today. And I want to just honor our fathers. And I want to pray a special blessing over our parents, over our fathers. Would you pray with me? Father, we just come to you one more time. Thanking you, Heavenly Father, for being that perfect father that we just sang about that you are a good, good father, that you know our name, that you know our situation, that you know our, our, our concerns, you know our weaknesses, and God, and you know our failures, but yet you still love us. You will love us unconditionally, and I thank you for that. So Lord, I want to pray a special blessing over our dads today. Lord, the ones that are here presently with us, the ones that maybe are in other cities or gone, or, or Father, even if they're maybe past. God, we just thank you for our dads, and we want to just pray a blessing over them. We want to pray for your favor over them. We want to pray, God, your protection over them and your love, your continued inspiration over them. And for us that are dads, God, we just want to, we need your help. God, for those that are still raising children, we need your help. We need your wisdom. We need your guidance, God. And I just pray that you would be with all the dads that are currently raising young children. And God, just be with them. Strengthen them, God. Just give them a real direction. Give them a real firm hand, but a loving hand. Lord, help them to know how to say no and yes to their children. Help them to just be that godly influence in their lives that their children so badly need. We just pray your blessing over them. We pray for our granddads and our grandfathers and our great-grandfathers. Lord, that we would still continue to be that legacy, that we would show that legacy of love, that legacy of Jesus into our children's lives. And we just pray your blessing now as we go to our homes in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Be blessed today. Tell your mom, tell your dad you love them.